Hello and welcome to the Gambler Betting Podcast. I'm Selectabet and I'm joined for our first podcast of 2021 by Greg Brown and David Weatherston. How's it going, guys? Yeah, good evening. Good, thank you. Good. Good, thank you. Nice to be here. Yes, David, it's good to have you on our regular slash Scottish podcast. Uh, regular listeners will know you, of course, from our Norwegian podcast, but um, your credentials are certainly merit an appearance on the Scottish podcast. I think um, I was working out that between the three of us, We've got 330 professional appearances in the Scottish game. <laughs> and, and we've got six, 67 goals between us as well. Is that right? <laughs> that's very good. I think it's probably cutting me off a couple of goals short. But yeah, right. no, nah, that's uh, pretty good Pretty good uh, work between the three of us. Yeah. We'll just have sure. to keep David right on the old pronunciation of some yeah. teams and players in Scotland. So we'll keep you right, David. Right. Well, being a boy from Paisley, I'm sure you'll be absolutely fine Oof. with it. <laughs> That's, uh, I was born in Paisley, but um, I'm very much a Clarkston boy, you know. Trying to distance so, uh, myself from Paisley. I'm very much distance myself from Paisley. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can and edit that Wikipedia page. Uh, and I also just wanted to confirm from Wikipedia, is it true that you are related to a four-time winner on the PGA Tour? That's true. He's the true talented sportsman in the family. <laughs> Where did it all go wrong, Mister? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we're talking about Martin Laird there as well, who I was reading at one point he was 21st in the world. Yeah, I think that would have been back in 2013 maybe, roughly, after he won, he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational and he was, yeah, that's when he was at his peak. Pretty decent, so does that make you a good golfer? I was okay back when I was uh, playing, but since, uh, since I moved to Edinburgh, um, in, what year was that, 2012? I kind of stopped playing, um, and I've, I've not played at all since I moved here. So. I was going to say, how is the golfing situation in Norway? <laughs> yeah, there is a course about 20 minutes from here, and it's pretty good, but it's only open between sort of May and October. Um, <laughs> May, and, May and June. <laughs> yeah. May, May and June in between one o'clock. It takes till August for the grass to grow properly as well. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's not ideal, so I don't pay the expensive membership fee for uh, three months of golf. No, it's not really worth it, is it? Um, so as I say, this is our first podcast of 2021 and Greg, I think it's been no less a soap opera in the first couple of weeks in Scottish football than normal. Um, plenty of things have happened. We're probably most notable and most uh, significant for our podcast is that all Scottish football below the championship has been suspended for a few weeks due to the current um, COVID situation in Scotland and that's a bit of a bit of a pain all round really, isn't it? It is, yes. I think it's the, the right thing to do. And I was on the ball Monday morning, had the, this weekend's nap out on the channel, out to members, and about 10 minutes later, <laughs> the announcement came through that League 1 and League 2 is suspended for three weeks. So, from our perspective, disappointing. Um, obviously, League 1 and League 2 have been pretty good to us, and that's what we tend to focus quite a lot of our time on. Uh, but, saying that, we've still got the Premiership, and we've still got the championship in Scotland too, so plenty to get stuck into. Yeah, and that news came off the back of a weather-ravaged weekend in the Scottish Cup as well. Um, and again tonight, all your good work's been undone. Do you know what? I unplayable pitch at Livingston. Yeah. <laughs> so for any, anyone who doesn't know, we were awaiting for the uh, Livingston v Aberdeen game tonight on Livingston's 
in inverted commas, all-weather pitch, and for the second time in the space of, what, four days, uh, the match has been postponed at fairly short notice, so that's a bit of a bit of a blow to us um, when we're looking, for, looking forward, really, to that game tonight, Greg. I was, for two reasons. One, I had um, Aberdeen double chance and two match goals in the game. Uh, we've been on a great run of form over the last four weeks, so I was hoping to continue that tonight. And secondly... I was really keen to see how Livy done tonight against mm. Aberdeen, being the fact that they travelled to Celtic Park on Saturday, and we'll, get, we'll touch upon that game in a second. Plus, I was also keen to see how Aberdeen did tonight too. They played Ross County away on Saturday, so really disappointing. Uh, quite a few Kelly fans have piped up tonight on Twitter as well to say it's not the pitch, it's Livingston's maintenance of the pitch and how they maintain it. Oh. So yeah. to have two games postponed due to frost and rain in the space of a week, or whatever it's been, um, it's pretty grim. It's pretty embarrassing for Livingston, to be honest with you. Um, I know, uh, obviously, they can't do anything but the elements, but at the same time, their pitch should be able to withstand a bit of rain. I know it was uh, heavy, but it wasn't on all day. So, no. really disappointing. It, it's not great. I suppose the only saving grace is that fans aren't going to games just now, so um, obviously Aberdeen will have travelled down for the match, but at least none of the fans are affected by the disruption. Um, so, yeah, disappointing to say the least. A um, few other bits and pieces have happened in Scottish football over the last couple of weeks, which rather than tackle them just now, we'll probably just tackle them as we get to the games that um, they would affect. First game up on Saturday that we're going to have a look at is Celtic's home match against Livingston, and it's a, going to be a very unfamiliar Celtic that will line up for this match. Long story short, they organised a trip to Dubai post losing the game at Ibrooks. Um, just at the new year, much criticised for taking the trip. Um, they came back. Christopher Julien was tested positive for COVID and that meant 10 first-team players had to also self-isolate um, for, we think, a period of up to 10 days. And a couple of management staff, including manager Neil Lennon, had to as well. Celtic then had to play the game against Hibernian on Monday night. Very makeshift team. I think a lot of Celtic fans were, were Googling some of the players that were actually in the starting eleven as well. Um, and drew the match one each. And it looks, as I say, like a very... Similar lineup is going to have to take to the field for Celtic on Saturday, Greg. Well, it was certainly a busy, busy day on Monday, I think, trying to establish and understand and fathom out what that starting lineup would be. I think Celtic's price at the start of the day, um, I think it was eight to five after the announcement around COVID and obviously the players missing. I think they got backed right into eight to 13. Then that went back up to, I think, 11 to 10. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty pretty mental day, really, in terms of trying to place up that match. In yeah, terms I of think... the players who are missing, obviously, looking at Celtic starting 11, there were still some very well-known names in there. So McGregor played, Turnbull played, Sorrow, Rogic, Waxal, Frimpong all played. So very much weakened, but they still had six or seven what you would classify as first-team players starting. Um, obviously, they took a, a late... A late, a late lead in that match and were pegged back in the what, 91st minute to, I guess, put the final nail into Celtic's 10 in a row um, season, which is now obviously over. Yeah, 
I would say so. I think that gives Rangers far too big a cushion for Celtic to pull back. I think it's also presented quite a challenge for the bookies this weekend to price this one up. Um, Livingston this morning, we are 16 to 5. They've already been backed into 14 to 5. Celtic are now 8 to 11. And as I said, it would have been really good to see Livingston tonight against opposition as strong as Aberdeen, because although Libby going to this game, I think it's eight wins in a row off the back of, um, it would have been good to see them up against you know, a team from the top three because they've not done that so far in this run. No, definitely. To be fair, they beat Hibs at Eastern Road 3-0. Yeah. But other than yeah. that, like you say, they've had a really, really fortunate run of games. They've pretty much played the full bottom six. Um, they've played a couple of cup games as well. So definitely not taking anything away from Livy. To win six league games in a row is absolutely outstanding, to be honest with you. Outside Celtic and Rangers, that, that very rarely happens. Yeah, but Celtic, would, Celtic would kill for that form right now. <laughs> <laughs> But outside of that, though, yeah, they haven't really played anyone of note because I must admit, the bottom six sides are all pretty much at the same level. There's not much between the sides. So I was looking forward to seeing how they got on tonight against mm-hmm. Aberdeen. Um, they'll be full of confidence, Livingston, but I, I still couldn't back them, even in the double chance market at Celtic. Um, Celtic 8 to 11, I think best price 17 to 20. And with the Livy game now off tonight, probably just going to take a bit of time to think about this one. And it's going to be something I'll put up on the channel. Yep, David, you get any angles on this one? Um, no, I, I do think it, that um, Celtic is very backable price. Just the, the team they had out on Monday night, I think, is very capable of um, still beating Livingston. Um, obviously, Livingston, if they'd played tonight, that price would have been even more appealing. Mm. But, um yeah, they can't. They can't. They've not got the the squad that they can just keep winning games and reeling wins off like Rangers have. So it's going to come to an end at some point. And yeah, that the Celtic price is definitely backable. If it drifts even more, then then uh, definitely worth looking at. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones that you just. For me, it's a it's a game best left alone. Greg, many times I've said this right. could go, no, this could go right. either way. I think if Celtic do drift and head towards even money. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be difficult not to put a small stake in Celtic like we did on Monday. So bearing in mind, I think when I posted in the channel, Celtic were 8-5 to five to win that match. And obviously scoring that late goal allowed us to cover. I mm-hmm. think I obviously said in the channel to, to cover the bet at 13-2. I think most folk would have probably cashed out, I think, at 90 minutes. Yeah. So 8-11 is a bit short. I wouldn't be touching them at that, at that price, but if Celtic do drift... I would probably be quite keen to take Celtic on it, um, evens. Yeah. OK, I think if nothing else, it would be a fascinating betting event from here until kick-off, just to see how the market goes on this one. OK, also in the Premiership on Saturday, we've got Hamilton at home to Dundee United. Um, United now only one defeat in the last six, but also just one win in the last six. And again, we've touched on the podcast before, I'm I'm loath to back against Hamilton at any time because they're just <laughs> the kind of team that can just pull off a result. And they're five to two to win at home on Saturday. Yeah, I must say I think Hamilton at the moment, outside of that Thino win at home to Motherwell, who at that time uh, were marginless, and their goalkeeper had an absolute nightmare. Um, Hamilton have only scored in one of the last five games, which is a bit of a worry. Uh, Dundee United played last night against St Johnston. Um, again, must admit, I don't think United were great. They just keep they have this knack 
of grinding out results and getting points. And I think most United fans would probably accept that the football on show at the moment at Tannadice isn't great. They're not playing that great, but they've just got this ability to steal and nick points late on in matches. Mm-hmm. And I think last night against St Johnston was probably another one this season. It's probably been about, I would say, at least five or six games this season so far where United have been the inferior side, yet they have managed to grab a point or get a win, which is a great trait to have. It's a nice trait to have, indeed. Uh, so um, I went I back against United here. They're 23-20. to 20. I think Lauren Shanklin's now starting to find his way again. Yeah. He had opportunities against Aberdeen last week that he was unlucky with. And obviously his goal last night was just exceptional. Yeah, that tremendous. was the English Premiership. We've seen that on repeat every day for the next two weeks. For those that didn't see it, um, he's, I think he's probably scored from just inside St. Johnston half. Mm-hmm. So cracking goal. And I think he's really, he's playing really well at the moment. So with Shankland in a good form, um, I wouldn't oppose United at 23-20. to 20, But I know what you're saying about Hamilton. Um, it's difficult to, to gauge how, how they'll do. Yep, David, what's your thoughts yeah, on United's no, season this far? No, I that goal as well. Um, see, to do that on the run, like full, full speed run, to get that direction and power and obviously lift over Clark as well. It's an unbelievable strike. <laughs> I don't think it gets as much enough credit in the media as it deserves because it really is a top, top finish. Um, no, I just think Dundee United, they, they've obviously completely changed between... Like Robbie and Mickey Mellon, the clearly different characters. They want their teams to do different things. Um, I think the style of play this year with Dundee United is definitely less about sort of possession based. Um, they're probably a bit tighter at the back, but um, they're definitely not as much of a threat going forward. And I do, yeah, I mean, Shankland. Although he's, he's scored a few goals, he's not getting as many chances as he was previously. And um, yeah, as you say, Hamilton, they, they have this knack of just pulling out a result. <laughs> just once, when they need it mostly, when when you think Brian Rice is under yep. pressure and trouble, they just seem to pick out a result. And obviously, I mean, obviously, they've got one of the lowest budgets in the league and they're going to be down there every year pretty much, but... They're still, they're only two points behind St Johnston, who they had a St Johnston have had a great run themselves at one point. Obviously, they're on a terrible run now, but I mean, Hamilton, they just seem to hang in there. And again, I would never back Dundee United at the price away from home going to the Hamilton's AstroTurf pitch. I wouldn't, um, I must admit, uh, they've got grass now, don't they? Hamilton, um, they've got grass now. Uh, yeah, I just I wouldn't, I wouldn't back Dundee United at that price. I just think Hamilton have got gone in them that they could. Any week. It's quite interesting actually that Dungeon United were what price last night? They were three to one. Yeah. And they're going to Hamilton away <laughs> and just above even. So I'm just yeah, it's, a, it's a good shout actually. Yeah. Because I, I mean, there was a lot of people on the day United last night. I think that was just purely based on the price and no one could really work out why they were such a big price. Because yeah. their, their, their home record well. stands up. It's the first time I've actually seen that happen. Nobody had any clue as to why Dungeon United were as big as they were. And yeah. that, that comes from the bookies, that comes from anyone involved in Scottish football. Yeah. Nobody could really work it out. Yeah. Um, and I think, obviously, last night we had United double chance, which I think was probably the smart move. And that was purely driven by the fact there was such a big price. Yeah. Don't know, I don't know if you saw um, 
in the game last night, that little turn from Chris Kane on the sideline. Oh, unbelievable. It's absolutely Berbatov. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, he's running full speed to the sideline. I don't know I don't know how he managed to keep control of his feet and his body and just run out. It's an incredible bit of, bit of skill. It was really um, good. But that's what you'd expect, though, from St Johnston players. From Kane, <laughs> <laughs> OK, so to wrap this one up, then... I'm guessing this is a no bet. I, I kind of think in these situations, uh, Greg, I always think, what would Jim Delahunt do? <laughs> I think Jim Delahunt would leave this game alone, probably. He'd probably so? say that Dungeon United are too short at 20 to 20. And that, that's probably where my head's at. I do think, to pick a winner here, I would go for United. I just think they're a little bit too short. OK, fair enough. Uh, David, you spoke about you know Brian Rice somehow managing to pull out results when he needs them most. And another guy who's managed to do that in the last few weeks is the Kilmarnock manager. Um, they've now won, what is it, three, two out of the last three. Started to climb up the league a wee bit and the pressure's been relieved because there was certainly calls um, for him to go in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and uh, two two really good results uh, away at Motherwell first, and then last week um, at home to Hamilton, a comfortable two 0 win in the end. Yeah, he ha- he seems to be sort of hanging on since the start of the season. Even yeah. since he was appointed, really, I don't think anybody thought he would be a sort of long term solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's done quite he did quite well last year, and um, yeah, the last few weeks they've certainly picked up some important results. I think the team. There's so many teams between sort of fifth and yeah, even fifth all the way down to twelfth. It's just not a lot, not a lot in it, and it's no. always the same every year. Like the budgets are pretty similar. Um, yeah, the budgets are pretty similar. There's not a lot in the, between the players. Not not a lot of them have that sort of special sort of X factor. So, in a ninety-minute game, anyone can beat anyone, especially in sort of bottom half of Scottish uh, premierships. Yeah, think, that, yeah, a bit of momentum is going to go a long way. You know, they've got three good results or three three results. To be fair, it should have been three wins. Yeah, that's right. That, I, yeah. The ball in the back of the net for the St Mirren goal. Yeah. Um, so I think still seven points out of nine <laughs> yeah. is really good, and it has given Dyer a bit of breathing space. I still think the Kilmarnock fans still aren't convinced, and although they're on a good run at the moment, you always feel with with Kilmarnock if they have a bad result, the daggers start coming out again. Mm-hmm. Under pressure, which is a shame, really. I just don't think Kilmarnock fans are are pro Alex Dyer, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, be interesting to see though away to Hibs on, on Saturday. Now Hibs performed well. They hit ten corners against Celtic, which is obviously always good for the channel, always good for us who back corners. But prior to that though, they lost at Rangers one 0 And to be fair, I think they performed pretty well in that match. Yeah, Knox they did actually perform pretty well. But they've then gone on, though, to just two absolute shockers. Like, totally Hibs-esque of last season and the season before. To lose at home to Ross County 2-0, a side who'd won once in 18 games, was probably what we thought might have been a freak result. Mm. They've then been turned over, and I mean turned over. The Livingston absolutely battered them 3-0. It could have been 4 or 5. And they've then got to Celtic Park and they've snatched... Uh, a late goal against the side who were pretty much in disarray in terms of that starting eleven. So I think for me, this is a really must-win game for her, for Hibs on, on Saturday. But I don't think you could back Hibs really with any confidence. 
I think with Kelly winning, no, their, winning two out of three and in decent shape, it changes the, the, the dynamics, I guess, for me, this match. Yeah, it's funny, David touched, sorry David, you touched earlier about um, St Johnson's run that they were on and they, how many games did they go, Greg, without defeat? Do you know what, it was 11 games but there's a lot of draws in there. I know, but what I was going to say was, we've seen St Johnson do that, we've seen Livingston are in the midst of that just now um, and you just wonder, you know, Hibs have had that as well, to be fair, up until that Rangers game, they've had that really good run um, and it just seems to be the way it is, that wee bit of momentum, if you can get it built in this league then you can pick up points, whether it be wins or draws. And, you know, it might be a case that we see Kilmarnock go on that wee run now. Hibs, you know, this might be a lull for Hibs. They're now four games without a win. I do think they've added the keeper Macy, I think, from Arsenal, who, who looked pretty decent the other night. And I also think Jack, Jackson Irvin will be a good signing for them as Is well. Is that the ex-Celtic yeah. player? Uh, <laughs> <Jackson>. <laughs> Yes, amongst others, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think he'll be a decent signing for them. Is it like Jackson Irvin obviously did really well at County, and I know he did well down at Burton Albion, but has he been he was at Hull? in Australia? He was at Hull, or yeah. Has he been he was, at Hull? Okay. And then I think he was out on loan to Oldham or someone like that in the last, okay. most recently, so he's been looking for a home, really. Um, yeah. And obviously, although he is Australian, he spent much of his career north of the yeah. border, so um, he should settle in relatively quickly, and I think he'll be a decent signing in the middle of the park for them. Yeah, yeah, it's just a massive, just... massive game for Hibs on Saturday. I think Hibs fans won't accept anything other than three points here, and that's no disrespect to Kilmarnock, but Hibs are obviously fighting it out for that third spot. They're behind Aberdeen now by what three points, and I'm pretty sure Aberdeen have got at least two games in hand. So they can't really afford any slip-ups here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hibs get back to winning ways, but I certainly don't have the faith to back them to win. OK, so you've got a bet lined up for this one, the way. I do, yeah. So looking at Hibs at the moment, this season, they've hit five or more corners now in nine of their 11 home games. And looking at their last, what, eight matches, they've hit six, six, ten, one... 8, 8, 5 and 10 so they've hit 5 or more in their last 8, they're at home they have to get a win I think defensively I don't think they're as strong as they were at the start of the season I think we obviously last season, Hibs were an absolute dream to back yeah. on the goal market especially at home because they just conceded so many goals at home, but to lose 2 against Ross County, 3 against Livingston they're looking a bit shaky at the back again Hibs I'm hoping Kamarnik might exploit that um, by nicking a goal. If Kamarnik score, I'd only imagine it would be once. But I fully expect Hibs, given their attacking threats, to score at least once as well. Yeah, so Hibs have only kept two clean sheets at home all season. Yeah, and they've conceded two goals quite a few times now. I think Hamilton, St Johnston, Ross County, Livingston, all sides in the bottom six who you'd yeah. expect Hibs to beat, um, they've, they've shipped two goals. So, I think for me there's a nice little bet builder here for me and that'll be this weekend's nap so I'm taking Hibs to hit five corners and over 1.5 match goals and that pays 4-5 to five, which for me looks a pretty solid nap for this weekend Yeah it's a pretty decent shout um, David any thoughts yourself on this yeah, one? Yeah no I just wanted to touch on uh, uh, Kevin Nisbet mm-hmm. obviously he did well in the championship last year scored a lot of goals with um, Dunfermline and I think a lot of people expected that he would do well 
um, moving up with Hibs into the Premiership. But he's joint top scorer in the league with 11, joint with Tavernier, who's, I don't know how many penalties that is. but 11. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, he's done a, he's doing really well. Obviously, that goal against Celtic the other night, just a classic poacher's goal sort of thing that drops to you when you're on good form. Just in the box, 90th minute, just drops to his left foot and five yards out, he's not really going to miss. So mm-hmm. he's um, been really impressive this year and obviously one that's kind of pushing for a Scotland call-up with uh, the Euros in the horizon, maybe. He's definitely been COVID depending. one of the standouts, I would say, this season, David, so far. I think we all knew how good a player he was based on his form last season at Dunfermline, but the step up, as they say, it's like a duck to water. Is it a duck to water? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what they say. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair play to Hibs for, for taking a chance on him and you know giving him his opportunity. Certainly, um, certainly delivered for them so far this season. What was he? Two hundred thousand pound, I think it was. Was it? Yeah, an absolute bargain. Slick money well spent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also on Saturday we've got Aberdeen's trip to Ross County, and we spoke a couple of weeks ago, Greg, about Aberdeen's record at Rugby Park, but it's equally as good against Ross County. Yeah, they did enjoy. The trip to Dingwall. Um, Ross County last weekend were, were part of our kind of double nap. We, we kind of felt that Ross County to score at Livingston was very big, even, even money, which they did do in the first half. They were a bit short though in the corner front last weekend. Um, John Hughes has come in, obviously. They got a great result at, at Hebs 2 0, which kind of shocked everyone. They then followed that up by a draw at St Johnston. I think last weekend's game against Livingston, probably bad timing for them to play Livy, given mm-hmm. Livy's form. So it's a bit difficult to read into that game too much. I think they're at, they are at home, obviously, on Saturday. And I think they'll probably give Aberdeen uh, a decent game. One thing's for sure, with John Hughes' side, and looking at Ross County's card count, you can probably expect bookings in this match. And I think Vigers is probably a one to two to be booked. He's uh, <laughs> racked up a fair few bookings this season. He does. I think Aberdeen though are a bit short for me, eight to eleven away yeah, from home against a side fighting for their lives at the bottom of the league. Got a new manager, I'd at least be wanting ten to eleven, possibly even some Aberdeen here. So it's quite an easy decision to ignore Aberdeen for this match. And obviously, like yeah. to say at the start of the podcast, it would have been good to see how Aberdeen got on tonight at Comar at uh, Livingston. Sorry. So I don't think I've got I've got an angle in this match possibly. I think you should see at least two goals. And I think with Ross County at home, they hit nine against St Johnston two weeks ago. And there's every chance I think they could probably hit four corners here. So there's probably an angle of some sort that I'll probably keep for the channel uh, closer to the day. Yeah, I think it's interesting Aberdeen going to this. They are 8-11 to win. I just wonder how much of that is based on, obviously, the head-to-head record that they've got against Ross County. And they've taken a fair few plaudits recently, Aberdeen. Um, been in fairly decent form. But actually, when you look at it, they've only won three games in their last ten, Aberdeen. Yeah, I think the Aberdeen fans are a bit... Yeah. Bit Eternally unhappy with Dell. have <laughs> been there for eight, eight seasons now, and there's always been a... Especially in the last two or three seasons anyway, there's always been a band of Aberdeen fans who always just want to criticise Derek McInnes. Um, so I think you're right. They're not winning that many games. But to be fair, their points total this season, I think it's just as good really as in a lot of the previous seasons. Um, and that's probably why they are so short. They are sitting third and they are obviously quite a fair bit ahead of Ross County. 
yeah. in terms of points and the league table. So I guess it's not a surprise to see them as short as 8 to 11, but from a betting angle for me, uh, it's, it's a bit too short. Okay. Last but not least on Saturday is a battle of the Saints. Now these two teams, St. Johnson and St. Mirren, they played each other about three or four weeks ago, I think it was kind of just before Christmas. And we spoke at length, Greg, <laughs> about how few goals there are when these two teams meet. And I think I'm right in saying it was 2-2 two, two at half time <laughs> when they, yeah. they played at uh, St. Mirren Park. So I think St. Mirren must have flipped uh, a late goal <laughs> in that match. That's right, finished 3-2, I think, to St. Mirren, did it? Yeah, we got a man sent off in the uh, Jason Kerr got sent off in the first half um, then I think the second half we just collapsed and St Mirren got the three points it's in Perth this game and I think we played pretty well last night I still think though we're still vulnerable I don't think we are clinical enough going forward and that's that's exactly the reason why we are sitting in that mix with Hamilton Ross County Motherwell at the moment um, St Mirren as well it's a really tough one to call this game. I think with home advantage, I would definitely probably side with St. Johnson to win this. But I just I just can't touch this game, to be honest with you. I did yeah. look at goals, to be fair, just off the back of the last game. I was, uh, just, I was actually just dug out the stats from the last time we spoke. So <laughs> forget forget the fact that the last game was 3-2. Up until that point, uh, what have we got here? There have been both teams to score in just five of the last 24 meetings and over two and a half had landed in just four of the last 24 between the two sides. So, yeah, history would suggest that there's, there's not likely to be many goals. No, there's no logic here to back goals. There's absolutely zero logic at all to support any goals in this match. Um, and that's why it's 11-8 to 8 over 2.5. You could get um, two goals in the Asian line. So over two goals, please 4-5. to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Money back if there's two. But even for two, that's probably a push. <laughs> well, what might swing it in uh, the goal favour of the goals is that uh, St Myrna have added Eamon Brophy this week from Kilmarnock, which I think would be a good sign in that. Um, St Myrna's not a team that I'd normally associate with a lot of goals, but they've got some decent options up front with Brophy now, Obika, Erwin, um, McGrath and Tate have also weighed in with some goals this season as well. So there's certainly goals in that St Myrna team. Yeah, I think yeah. St Myrna will be fine this season. The thing with Brophy, obviously he had that incredible spell a few years back. He's not quite lived up to the same since he's not had Greg Stewart um, putting them on mm-hmm. a plate for him. Mm-hmm. I just wonder who's who's going to be that creative force for uh, St Mirren. They don't, yeah, they don't have a lot of, uh, they don't have a, a huge amount of uh, sort of creative players in behind. He's a bit like Morelos in a, in a way, isn't he? He's very much head down and hit it as hard as you can yeah. I wouldn't say there's much finesse about him but he does love to shoot <laughs> mm. Yeah I think it would be an interesting sign for them I was quite quite surprised to see obviously he's he's moving there permanently in the, the summer but they've managed to negotiate a, a loan deal between now and the end of the season so that he moves there immediately so yeah it would be interesting to see they've how it also, goes They've also signed that um, Colin Quanner as well, yeah, that right? Yeah yeah. And he, I mean, he came with a decent reputation from from Germany when he first came to, I think, it was Huddersfield. I think he came in the Premier. He maybe joined them when uh, when they were in the Championship, but I'm sure he played in the Premiership with them, or the Premier League with them. Um, he's only 29, so it'll be interesting to see. He's a big lad, really big lad. So um, I'm sure with him and Brophy, I mean, they could 
form a decent partnership if they've got Kwan or sort of licking things on for Brophy or bringing him into play. It's, it's an interesting signing, certainly. Certainly someone who, I mean, I don't know where St. Mirren have got their, their money from. Mm. For the, yeah, David McDonald from Pine Bovril. Yeah. <laughs> He's been back rolling it. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, Kwan, I don't know when he would have been playing in England, he would have been on thousands a week, tens of thousands probably. Um, so I don't know. I don't know uh, the situation financially, but um, it's an interesting signing as well, him. Yeah, yeah. Can I just tell you that he's not as prolific as David Weatherston? Throughout his no, game, I mean, despite him being a forward. He's only scored 30 goals. I mean, who is? Pelly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, so no bet in this one? Yeah, def- out of all the games on Saturday, this is definitely one to leave alone. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on to Sunday before we come back and have a look at the championship games and Sunday's game is at Fur Park and it's Motherwell v Rangers. New Motherwell manager since we last spoke, Greg, Graham Alexander has come into the hot seat there and yeah, we spoke a few times about whether uh, Robinson was in, under pressure at Motherwell and I don't know if he was or he wasn't but he decided to fall on his sword, decided to take the club as far as he could and I think Graham Alexander looks like a fairly solid appointment for them. I think he does. Um, I must admit, out of the four who were interviewed for the job, uh, now obviously I say this obviously with my St. Johnson hat on, I think Tommy Wright, <laughs> you would have thought out of the four candidates, was the outstanding candidate based on what he did at St. Johnston. Knows the league, knows the players, and has performed with a similar club at that level. Um, Graham Alexander was at what, Salford and Fleetwood? done okay but I think he got sacked from both jobs didn't he? I think he, uh, to be fair to him I think he was let go by Salford when they were either top of the league or in the promotion playoffs in the promotion places uh, and unbeaten as far as I'm aware I think it was a uh, very much uh, um, the, the Man United class of 92 boys getting in one of their pals to uh, mm-hmm. manage Yeah, I'm not saying it's a risk because every appointment's a risk obviously but um, I think the other clubs in the bottom six will probably be quite happy that it's him and not Tommy Wright. Because Tommy Wright is Are you, still, to you're still on commission for Tommy Wright? <laughs> I, think, I think we need to clarify that. No, not at all. Just, um, just my own personal opinion. <laughs> um, I think clubs like, probably even Saints, Hamilton, West County, would rather it was Graham Alexander, who has no real knowledge about the Scottish Premiership, to be honest with you, does he? Uh, rather than Tommy Wright. Um, interesting to see how they get on. I think they got a point at St Mirren and to be fair that St Mirren penalty last weekend come on oh, that was a shocker <laughs> yeah it was so absolutely shocking they probably would have won that match um, on their opening game so they've got Rangers on Sunday and I guess it's really just a case of avoiding the score last time these sides met what was it 5-0 4-0 was that Ibrox no they played at the start of the season I think at Motherwell did they not uh, yeah, I think they did. Um, but yeah, he'll come at it. He'll come at it from a fresh perspective, though, won't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think he did. Like, I think he did a decent job at Fleetwood originally. I think he got them promoted. Um, I'm not sure from which division. Uh, Scunthorpe. I think he got. He did okay there as well. I'm not, I think he was sacked as they were. Yeah, I think they were in the top half of the table when he gets sacked from Scunthorpe. Um, I think he has a decent reputation. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on. I don't think it's a bad thing that a new set of eyes uh, comes in. 
I think with Tommy Wright, obviously, there is an unbelievable job at St. Johnston, but you know, an in-house appointment, and sometimes that can sort of help um, ease him in. Uh, I just think there was so much continuity at St. Johnston over the years he was there. It was, it was a, he did a, I'm not taking away anything from the job he did, I know you're on commission, but I think... Uh, <laughs> what I would say, though, David, I think, um, I think clubs would see Tommy Wright now as a dinosaur. And yeah, he's in his late fifties. You don't. You tend to see now most clubs do tend to appoint young and up and coming managers. Yeah, definitely. Not all the time, but on the on the whole, you tend to find clubs going for that younger manager now than the old school guard. Yeah, he's probably going to have to find himself in a position where he, he takes over a club who's in desperate need of a bounce. It's like kind of the sort of Scottish. Sam Allardyce role or something. He's probably going to have to get himself in a situation like that if he's going to get in a club. Because, well, I don't think a club will will probably take him on as a project manager originally. But if he if he takes over a club who's in a bit of a crisis and does a good job, I can definitely see him. uh, Yeah, I mean Park Thistle, (laughs) obviously. No, sorry, I meant Celtic. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I just I do think I mean, and it goes. I know it's it's ridiculous to think about, but goalkeepers. Generally, they do get overlooked as managers, and I think it's—I don't know why or what the reason behind it is—but there's not many um, goalkeepers that get big managers' job. I think Tommy Wright probably he wouldn't have got that job at St Johnson if he wasn't already there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think in terms of this game on Sunday, I think 21 points ahead now Rangers are. Do you think? Is there, is there a danger that they'll take their foot off the gas well, at all? I think they might. I really do. Stephen Gerrard obviously will, will try and make sure and do his best that, that doesn't happen. But 21 points, though, is just an incredible lead. 22 points if you add in goal difference. The league is pretty much, in fact, for me, the league is over. Um, Motherwell at home, new manager, hoping to impress. There's obviously a market that I like and have liked for some time now. Um, and I'll let you guess what that market's going to be. <laughs> Motherwell corners by any chance? Yes, indeed. (laughs) So, Motherwell racked up, I think it was nine corners on Saturday against St Mirren. Now, obviously, they're not going to have as much of the ball at home on Sunday against Rangers, but that said, you're getting six to four on Motherwell to hit four corners, which I think looks very appealing, especially given the fact that Motherwell have delivered this bet for us twice now at home against Celtic and Rangers this season. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty decent shout at that price. Yeah, and I, th- I think Rangers, as good as they've been uh, this season, I think the last few weeks they've maybe just dropped a few percent off from their best. Um, obviously, they got the win at Celtic Park, which they were generally outplayed. Um, they've had a few close calls as well. They've not been as clinical, or uh, they've not been scoring as many goals as they were previously. So, I'd, yeah, I mean... They've, yeah, I think right they've won the league. They've they've won the league. I think it's it's over. Obviously, Rangers fans won't see it because of what's going on in the last uh, ten years. But um, if you look back across their yeah. games, they they narrowly beat Hibs one 0 They obviously lost to St Mirren in the League Cup. They mm. then went to St Mirren and won two 0 I guess that's pretty routine. Um, they didn't play well at all against Celtic, really, did they? Uh, especially in that first half. No, so, really I think you're absolutely right. They're definitely not their best at the moment, Rangers. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be jumping on the. Well, I don't think it would be jumping on the ten to one model. No, uh, <laughs> no I think I so. <laughs> but I think the corners angle is a decent shout. Yeah. Yeah, I think six to four is really good actually, and it's something that Motherwell will have delivered for us quite a few times. So, um, yeah, six to four at bet three six five on Motherwell to get four corners. Okay, um, that's us covered the Premiership. We'll have a wee quick look at a couple of games in the Championship that we have uh, some tips on. So, first one up is one of your former teams, David, and there's quite a few of those. Queen of the South at home <laughs> to Arbroath. Yeah. Um, Queen of the South um, Obviously I spent three years down there And uh, loved every minute um, Big fan of George Galloway um, And I just I think uh, obviously they've had a really Tough start to the season um, But the last few weeks they seem to have turned it round uh, they, got a, they got a really good result um, Against Ayr On the 2nd of January At home they beat them 3-2 Before that they went to race and beat them 2-0 that was their first. Uh, I think that was their first two wins of the season. Oh no, it was their th- uh, second and third win of yeah, the season after yeah. previously beating Alloa. Um And off the back of them, they played Queens Park in the Scottish Cup, and I think a lot of people thought that was a potential banana skin, yep. um, given the money Queens Park has spent this year. And they batted them three mm-hmm. 0 um, Really good display. So this week uh, they're at home to our Broth. Our Broth. Bottom of the league, five points, um, just one win, and uh, they've lost all five of their away games, scoring just two, conceding eleven. So, Queen of the South, obviously, I would I would have them as big favourites in this game, just based on their sort of their form in the recent weeks and Arbroath's form in general away from home. It's funny, David, how one result can just give a side a new lease of life. Yeah, the Rovers and ended up playing a 16-year-old goal. Yeah, before. yeah, that's right. And they ended up winning that match. I think two 0 in the end. Yeah. And since then, like you say, they've they've gone on and they've actually played really well recently. Yeah, and I think they're 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 two point three. So that's uh, what's that? An old money. Oh, it's two point three. Thirteen to ten. To thirteen win. to ten. So they're thirteen to ten to win, which I think is a good price uh, anyway. But. Um, <laughs> I've got them at five to four to score two or more goals, um, which I think against our our growth you'd fancy them to to be in the goals. They've scored two or more in three of their uh, three of their five home games so far, including Air Allow and Rafe. So three of the teams in the bottom half they've scored um, two or more goals, and um, our growth have I've gone away from home and lost five games, three of them. Uh, they've conceded three goals. Uh, they literally they've lost one 0 But I just think Queen of the South. They've had a little bounce in form, scored some goals, um, looked much tight at the back as well in uh, recent weeks. So I think I wouldn't put people off backing them for the win. Um, but uh, to score two goals as well seemed like a good price. Yeah, I like the look at that thirteen to ten, possibly a wee bit more than the two and a half goals yeah. that you're suggesting, Dave. Just on the basis, I know you highlighted our both goals that they've conceded away from home, but in the ten games that they've played, they've actually only conceded two or more than four games, so they're not actually shipping a lot of goals. Abroad. They've only lost fifteen, yeah, um, which isn't high at all for a team that's bottom of the league on five points and played ten games. No, I just I wonder a game like this where they'll probably think we need to go out and get a result. They might just open up a little bit more. So a classic, a uh, draw, yeah. Uh, obviously, they need to start winning games, otherwise they're uh, they're going to find themselves adrift. Yeah. 
Okay, so Queen of the South has scored two or more goals at home to Arbroath. Also, in the Championship, you wanted to have a wee look at uh, Inverness Cali's visit to Wraith Rovers on Saturday as well. Yeah, um, Wraith Rovers, who just touched on, lost to Queen of the South. I do wonder if that um, that came about just with the circumstances. I don't know. Quite often, if you see a 16-year-old goalie in goals, it might just it might just make you think that it's going to be an easy night for you. But um, they lost 2-0 and it was a bit of a surprise given the way they've been playing uh, before that. They find themselves in fourth in the table and they've been scoring a lot of goals. Um, they've scored 21 goals in the nine games they've had so far. Um, Ten and four games at home. So Inverness are visiting on Saturday. Uh, they've scored 15 goals themselves in their nine games. And I think this game, um, I'm just looking at um, goals in the game over 2.5. All four of Inverness away games have had uh, three or more goals. So they've lost 3-1, they've lost 2-1, they've won 3-0 and they've lost 2-1. Um, so obviously the way they play on, um, is just, yeah, it's, it's not, there's not a lot of... Uh, <clears throat> not a lot of defending, a lot of uh, attacking opportunities. And if you look at Wraith, three times this season they've scored five goals. Um, they've scored three and they've scored two, four times. So that's not right, sorry. I'm, uh, that is absolutely not right. They've scored <laughs> five, three and two at home so far this season. Um, three of the four games have gone for over 2.5 goals. So, yeah, I just think uh, the goals angle over 2.5 goals... Uh, you've, you've probably got the odds. I didn't write it down. Uh, so yeah, four, forty-five. Forty-five. Yeah, I think it's a good price. I think of of all the games in the championship um, this weekend, maybe with the exception of um, Hearts, uh, I'd be looking at this one for goals. Yeah, I think Dundee, uh, Dundee United. Sorry, Inverness um, can certainly contribute. They've scored in every game. Yeah, definitely. So far, so that points well as well. Okay, so that's a couple of bets in the Championship for us on Saturday as well. And before we go, with there being no lower league, uh, sorry, games well, just on the that Championship. Though, sorry, just, um, I guess, one last bit of news in terms of Scottish football over the last week or so is that Leanne Dempster's gone to Queen's Park as their new CEO. Is that the right word to use, CEO? What's, or? what's your betting angle on that one? Um, I just think it's a really interesting move. So she was obviously at Motherwell went to Hibs what two or three seasons ago now maybe longer than that done a really good job at Hibs from what, I, what I've heard anyway and she's left Hibs to take a break from football and she's turned up <laughs> at uh, the Queen's Park Revolution so re- really interesting I think you made the point about Queen's Park being ambitious this season that's also a great capture off the pitch Yeah certainly well financed Queen's Park so I think not just this season, I think over the coming seasons it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact they can make on the Scottish game um, now that they're a professional club. Yeah, I don't think anybody can grudge them. and I don't. Although they are throwing money at it, I think they're going to try and do it in the right way and sustain it. It's not a, it's not a great in a job. Um, I think they've obviously got the money they got from the sale of Hamden. I think they've been well backed. Uh, but I think as a club themselves they must have ambitions of, I'm guessing one day, going right to the top, as in playing Premiership football. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but they're definitely going to win the league this season in League League 2. 
and I think they'll be more than capable of doing a good job in League One. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them playing Championship football in a couple of seasons. OK, so that wraps us up for the Scottish game. We've got a wee bonus Premiership match. Um, it's Monday night's game. It's Arsenal v Newcastle and you've got a bet builder angle on this one, Greg. Yeah, so I've, I've probably stayed away from the English football this season, especially in the lower leagues. But I must say, the Premiership's been an absolute goldmine. Yeah, you've done well, haven't you? It's been really good. Really, really good on the corners and card markets in the Premiership, especially on team corners and kind of team and match cards. So this is a game, obviously, Arsenal play tomorrow night against Crystal Palace, which is always a bit of a worry when you are looking at a game before they're playing. Yeah. Which, if that makes sense. Uh, but it's the fact they're playing Newcastle, though. And this Newcastle side just look dead and buried and just just absolute apathy, really. Um, they started the season okay, Newcastle, and they've actually got a decent points total in comparison to your West Broms and obviously your Sheffield Uniteds. <laughs> but Arsenal, though, I think there was a, probably a real question mark whether or not Arteta would last. Uh, but if you look back over the last four games, they beat Chelsea 3-1. And that was really the start of their rejuvenation, you could say. Mm-hmm. They've beaten Brighton and Hove Albion away 1-0, which is always a tough place to go. And they've battered West Brom 4-0. Wouldn't be too much into the weekend's cup win against Newcastle. Um, I think it was one-way traffic. Newcastle had probably two attempts on goal, and, and that was it. And looking at Newcastle's form, no one in eight. So Arsenal are starting to purr, I think. This expression you've used before, so I'm going to steal that from you. Um, and they're playing a Newcastle side who I think most of the Tudor army will be quite happy to see the back of Steve Bruce. I think he's probably the most unpopular appointment for a team that I can remember for some time. And they're playing an Arsenal side who are obviously in good shape. They play tomorrow night, and I think it's a really good bet, Boulder Angle, uh, to have in this one. So Arsenal are 2-5 to five to win this game, which I actually think is a really good price. I thought they would have been much, much shorter, just based on how Newcastle are playing. Um, I think there's goals in this game. I think we'll see at least two match goals. I don't think that's that's unreasonable. And looking at Newcastle's cards this season, quite incredible, actually. They've, they've hit two or more cards now in eight of their last 11 games. Um, and last night, they hit, what, six cards last night? Four bookings of red cards? Yeah. But away from home, they've hit two, four, one, Two two one two five. Let's be honest; they're not going to have much of the ball against Arsenal on, on Sunday, Monday. Sorry, and I think if you add in a Newcastle booking into the bet builder to take Arsenal to win, two match goals and one Newcastle card, it pays twenty to twenty one. And again, I think that was a really solid bet builder. And has it been mostly bet builders that you've been focusing on, or has it been straight cards and? Corner bets? No, it tends to be straight cards and corner bets. Um, I think last night, we just had a, well, I say last night, we had the Asian card market last night. We are three or more cards in the game between Sheffield United and Newcastle. So money back in three. But mostly it's team cards. I think we had Newcastle to get two cards against Man City. Um, we've had lots of success though on teams to hit four corners. We had Man U last week who were actually four to five at home to Man City to hit just four corners. So there's definitely value there if you dig, a, dig deep enough um, in these games. 
But so far this season, the, the Premiership's been a, a great place to go on the card markets, especially for certain teams like Newcastle and on the corner markets too. OK, so remind us what the bet is for this one. So the bet is Arsenal to win over 1.5 match goals and at least one Newcastle card. And that pays 20 to 21 with bet 365. Yeah, I was just having a wee quick look to see who the referee was there on Monday, and it's David Coote, who's one of the highest uh, in the card count. He averages 4.22 cards per game, um, which is quite high for the Premier League. So, yeah, that angle should it should be covered fairly easily. Yeah, Newcastle to get one card is just a little booster, really. Uh, I fully expect them. I'd be absolutely amazed that they've never got at least one booking. Yeah. And I think that supports other two uh, parts of the bet border too, for almost a a nice even money shot. Okay, good stuff. I think that's us for all the previews that we've got. Um, Greg, can you just start a recap of the tips for the weekend? So the map this weekend is the match between Hibs and Kilmarnock. And I'm taking Hibs to get over 4.5 corners and over 1.5 match goals in that match. And that pays 4-5 with bet 365. Um, there's two games I'm looking at so the Celtic v Livingston game um, at the moment no bet but I'll likely have some sort of angle on that match um, something that I'll be shooting on the channel and on to Sunday I'm going to take Motherwell to hit four corners against Rangers at 6-4 and that's also with bet 3-6-5 and finally on Monday night moving down south into the English Premiership I'm taking the Arsenal v Newcastle game and I'm taking Arsenal to win over 1.5 match goals and over 0.5 Newcastle bookings. And that bet border pays 20 to 21 with bet uh, 2.65. And yourself, David? Yeah, uh, just a couple for me. I'm not as uh, on top of the Scottish football as uh, <laughs> Greg. Um, first of all, looking at Cooney the South to score two or more goals against our growth, and that's 5 to 4 with bet 3.65. And and also on Saturday, um, Wraith and Inverness to share three or more goals in the game, and that is four to five with Bet365. Excellent. Now, don't forget you can follow Greg on Twitter at Browning84Greg. And of course, if you want more tips like these, then make sure you join Greg's Telegram channel. Um, just visit gambler.co.uk for all the details of how to sign up there. You can also follow David on Twitter at dweatherston11. Um, and David, is your blog in hibernation with Norwegian football yeah, at the moment? Yeah, it is. Um, there's been some there's been some action um, in the transfer market. It's quite a few things going on. So. I might uh, probably get back to it in February when uh, there's a bit more happening in terms of incoming and uh, teams are back in training and stuff. So, yeah, cool. that will be available. We'll look forward to that then. And that's us for this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to this Tommy Wright edition of the podcast. <laughs> um, and it just remains for me to wish you guys the best of luck with your beds and the best of luck to all our listeners. Yes, thank you. Good luck. Cheers. Good luck. Good luck.